The Holy Gospel, according to St. Matthew from the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is taken from the book of St. Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 through 33, and can be found on page 1520 in the Pew Bible. Matthew records. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. It was buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, and he walked on the water, and he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ, you may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the, in the name of Jesus, amen. The message this morning I have titled, In My Distress, I Called on the Lord. It is adapted from reading of Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33, which is titled in my Bible and probably every other person's Bible in Christendom as Jesus Walks on the Water. Have you heard that story before? Once or twice? All right, here we go again. But this one, it will maybe be the first time you've heard it told like this. So many times, I have, you have, we've all heard sermons on this text. And so many times, this text gets twisted so that our eyes are on Peter, the doubter, 
the one of little faith. But I submit to you that's not what Matthew and where Matthew is trying to take us. I submit to you that that's not it at all. Instead, I want us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of faith, the author and perfecter of Peter's little faith. The point of this text is not to say, if you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. Have you ever heard that said? That kind of teaching is just wrong. It's kind of dumb. Look, imagine if you will, and I'm telling you the truth, if I get out of the boat, any boat, onto the water, I'm going to sink. And it's just the way that it is. You see, I was born with a water displacement characteristic of a stone. Straight to the bottom I go. And if the point is to say that I need to take chances to achieve and live my dream, in other words, get out of the boat and take a chance and walk on the... you got to get out of the boat there, Ken. Well, if that's what this point is, then that's kind of dumb too. Because sometimes dreams fail. In fact, most of the times, dreams fail. For example, most new businesses fail in the first few years. Children leave the house. Families fall apart. People shipwreck their own faith. Everyone dies. And still, even though it's my dream, I don't have the supernatural ability to fly. In short, dreams often fail. So that's certainly not the point of the story. If the point of the story is to have more faith, if the point of the story you get is like, well, I've got to have more faith. I've got to work on that. Well, then we're all in trouble. We are all in trouble because we all fall short. We all come up wanting. Again, I still can't walk on water, so my faith must not be big enough, right? If I just had a little more faith, you could just step on that water. I mean, Peter had little faith. That kind of reading to this story makes it seem like this. It makes it seem like it's my work to grow my faith. It makes it sound like my work to make sure I believe enough. That kind of reading into this story makes it 
my work to do whatever it takes to do whatever it takes. And that just doesn't sound Christian. Because it's not. It's not the gospel. If the point of this story is to learn how to worship Jesus when the wind and the waves of life are against you, well, no, that's not really it either. But at least that is closer to something sort of biblical. But what that does is it just gives us another analogy. Life is like stepping out of the boat. You know, no, that's, that's not it. That makes this story nothing more than just a, a biblical moral tale like so many children's Sunday school programs that are pre-written and really all they are are pre-designed little examples of how to be good little boys and good little girls. And that does no good. It doesn't tell the nature of God. But what if the point of this story isn't demanding us to do any of these things? Maybe it's not demanding us to do anything. But listen and read it again. What if this story is to show us that Jesus is God himself? What if We've been hearing this story all wrong all of these years. What if we missed it? What if we've missed Matthew's point in relating this historical account of Christ? And what if we missed it all because of a simple Bible translation? Ah. What if... The translators got the words wrong. Sometimes we change what is simply obvious for the readers of the original language to something that makes more sense to the English-speaking reader. We do it to make it easier, but it's not always better. Sometimes we miss the very words that will declare to us the point. Our God, our Father who art in heaven, doesn't use words frivolously. He says what he means and he means what he says. The very God who spoke all things into existence by his own single word, is the one who speaks good cheer into the hearts of the disciples who believe he is some kind of ghost or demon. And this Jesus, God incarnate, God in the flesh, God with skin on, speaks a good word to them. Not, it is I. 
as our translation gives to us. But the words, I am. Jesus says, I am. And somebody might say, I am what? I am here? I am a ghost? Or I am not a ghost? I am walking on water? Look at me. I am. No. There is no confusion by Peter and the boys on what Jesus meant when he said, as he walked on the water towards them in that boat, and he said, I am. Jesus says, I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. He says, I am the God of Moses. I am the God of the burning bush. I am the pillar of fire by night. I am the pillar of cloud by day. Further, I am the angel of the Lord. I am God who created you. I am the God who calls you. I am the God who brings you to himself. I am the one who creates faith in you. I am the one who washes you clean. I am the one who feeds you. I am the shepherd of the sheep. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He says, I am making all things new. I am coming like a thief in the night. I am the one who has the keys to death in Hades. I am holy. I am the true vine. And my Father is the vine dresser. I am in the Father. And the Father is in me. And I am with you until the end of the age. And I am the one who hears you call out in your distress. You seeing the theme there? This Jesus walking upon the water in the midst of the heavy wind is the great I am who has been, who is, and who is to come. He is the I am who spoke the world into existence. He is the I am who is the word of God. He is the I am who is with his people, for he, this Jesus, has died to redeem his people from their sin and has been raised from the dead to give them new life in him 
forever. This Jesus is the great I am. And perhaps that is the point of this account by Matthew. For this Jesus doesn't care if you walk on water. This Jesus doesn't care if you can get out of the boat. This Jesus doesn't care if you try your hardest to create more and more faith in yourself. This Jesus doesn't care about any of that. This Jesus cares for you. He cares for his disciples who struggle against the wind and the waves. This Jesus cares for a sinking Peter. This Jesus cares for all the men, women, and children that he gave food to in the feeding of the 5,000. This Jesus cares because he is I am. He created you. He redeemed you. He gave to you his word and his sacraments because he cares for you. This Jesus is greater than our fear of the waves or our fears of a virus or whatever villain is stealing your peace today. He is greater than. This Jesus is greater than our suspicions of ghosts and demons. This Jesus is greater than a boat on the Sea of Galilee. This Jesus is greater than the long way from land that that boat was. This Jesus is greater than our faith. This Jesus is greater than the elements of the world. He created them all. All of those elements. You see, sometimes, like right now in this season that we find ourselves in, we forget all of that. Sometimes we forget that our Lord is the one who keeps us and guards us. And we let our sin run us. We let our sin ruin us. We think that we should be the ones who should control everything. And why not? <laughs> we all know what's best, right? Yet our Lord, even in Job 38 that we heard today, he asks us where we were when he laid the foundations of the earth. You've heard me look up and tell you and admitting I wouldn't do it that way. Well, he laid out the measurements he controlled everything. He gave the morning stars their song and let the angels rejoice in the heavens. 
Where were you when he did all of that? Well, you and I weren't even a twinkle in our earthly daddy's eye. Not back then. Yet your father in heaven, he knew you. He did it all for you. He knew that you would forget him. He knew that you would forsake him. He knew that you would rather his son dead and bleeding on the tree, yet he created this earth, giving it to us all. He gave us all his created gifts. He gave us food. He gave us shelter, the land, animals, all that we have because he loves us, because he can give us these things. He created them. He can do all things, for he is God and Lord over all. He even sustains us in our faith, our little itty-bitty Peter-sized faith. He sustains us, our little itty-bitty trust in him. He sustains us when we want to be judged by the law instead of Christ's righteousness. He sustains us when we, in great weakness, call upon the name of the Lord. He sustains us when we find it hard to believe in Jesus for our salvation, much less to walk upon the water as Peter did. Jesus sustains us. And he hears us call his name in our distress. And when we fall, and when we drown, and when we try to walk away from our Lord, Jesus will indeed stretch out his arms, for he is great, and you are his creation and you can't outrun him. You can't outrun his love. You can't outrun his mercy. He loves you dearly. He died for you. He took your place, my place. He was raised from the dead all to give you eternal life. Our Lord, Jesus cares for you. For he is the great I am. When I am small, he is the I am when I am not. He is God, and I need him, and you need him, not only to keep you from drowning, but to sustain you in all of your life, all of your works, all of your faith, and through all of your doubt. He is greater than these things because he is the great I am. Jesus the Christ, truly the Son of God, is with you always, even until the end of the age. In the name of Jesus, amen.